This is the famous Dr. Frank of the famous Mr. T Experience, and you're listening to the famous Dummy Room. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show, Dummy Room, episode 138. Uh, tried to get a misfit, but I couldn't, so I got the next best thing. Phil Hill, what's up, dude? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> dude, honestly, I asked you to um, to maybe hook me up with a misfit, maybe Jerry Only or something. Yeah, and, I, um, I tried. I was, I, I was super nervous that you were going to make it happen. <laughs> and I was like, ah, man, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm ready for that, you know? Yeah, uh, I think they're pretty busy these days uh they have a big mexican tour coming up i know for sure but you know they just played madison square garden and all that kind of good stuff so they might be uh feeling a little bit too big i don't know <laughs> yeah are they are they playing with with glenn still yeah yeah they have some sh- some kind of tour coming up in mexico i think it's the first time they've ever toured mexico with glenn and everything like that but uh i know they're, they're playing mexico city Big arena type things, you know. They're huge. They're hugely popular in Mexico for whatever reason. I mean, they are an awesome band, of course, but for some reason in Mexico, they're like legendary, legendary, rabid fans down there for them. That's cool. Well, that's like South America's like the Ramones. You hear Absolutely. Those, you see the, the the videos and shit, and hear the stories, and they were like rock stars down there. Oh yeah, even when I went down there with Marky. It was insane. It was like mm-hmm. being in a band with a beetle or something. You know, people were chasing <laughs> the vans around in the streets and stuff. It was wild. That's awesome. So, hey, man. Um, how you been? Good, good. Um, I had some things that were lined up and tragically didn't happen. Uh, I, I Dude, know. I'm still bummed about that. Oh, oh me too. You want to um, you you tell everybody what we're talking about? Yeah, so uh, everybody that listens to the Dumbing Room probably knows that the Queers just had a live stream to, uh, and they played their entire new album, uh, The Queers Save the World, and they had Joe had actually asked me to play um, second guitar on that live stream, and I went out and I bought a guitar especially for it and everything like that. I've been practicing for a good six weeks solid. You know, they sent me all the songs and I learned all the harmonies and all, you know, I was ready to go. And the day of the show or the day before the live stream, I was going to go down to Atlanta and, uh, you know, rehearse with them the night before, loaded up my van and everything. I had my amp and my guitar and everything. I was ready to go, but I had to go to work. So, I went to work that Friday, and I was going to leave straight from work and head straight to Atlanta. Well, what I do for a living is uh, I do a lot of fire alarm installations in commercial buildings and schools and things like that. One of my co- co-workers had screwed up some wiring out um, out by the street, and I went to go check it out. And I dropped my screwdriver, and I got down on my hands and knees to go pick it up, and I put my the palm of my left hand right on a, on a hot metal plate that was about 400 degrees and I didn't realize it until I just melted my hand basically to the steel plate and so Damn. I had I had to go straight to the um, 
walk-in clinic, you know, the emergency clinic or whatever, urgent care. And, uh, my hand kind of started to bubble up and look like Freddy Krueger on the palm of my hand. And they had to wrap me up and everything. I was like, dude, I mean, I was wearing my leather jacket and everything. I was ready to go, you know, to play this rehearse and go play the show. And they said, oh, you're not going to be playing guitar for a while, dude. Like that's, that's a serious burn. It was an intense second degree burn. It wasn't quite a third degree, but, uh, definitely put me out of the game and I had to call Joe and say, man, I'm really sorry, but I had an accident at work and I burned my hand so bad that I won't be able to play the show. And he was bummed because he said, Oh, that totally sucks. And and, you know, it sucks that you got injured and everything. I was really wanting to just kind of hang out. You know, we haven't seen you in so long. It would have been awesome just to, he had some kind of a cookout and everything. And he was like, I just wanted to hang out at the cookout and talk shit and whatever, you know? And so, um, he ended up doing the show, the live stream with um, Cheeto, the bass player, has another band called Hanging Judge, and the guitar player from Hanging Judge filled in in my place. Luckily, they had been rehearsing <laughs> with him uh, just so the rest of the band could play with who was supposed to be me with them, so they had a fill-in until I could get down there. And luckily, he knew all the songs well enough that he played the live stream. But he only played half of the live stream. He only did the new album, and then... Then they played the rest as a three-piece. I mean, probably a lot of people already have seen that. But I rehearsed the entire thing. So that was supposed to be me on guitar with them for all the classic songs, too, like Burger King Queen and all that stuff. I'd been practicing all that. And, man, what a letdown. I was so bummed. Just because it's so so fun to play with the queers because, you know, all the classic songs and everything. And uh, I was really let down, man. It totally sucked. And... Joe was like, "Ah, oh, you didn't miss anything. It totally sucked anyway. You know how Joe, you know how Joe is. But uh, yeah. I felt bad because I felt like I let them down. I let myself down over a, a stupid accident, you know. And, sucks, uh, dude. Yeah, it totally sucks. So now I have a guitar. <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, you didn't have a guitar before that or what? I, I have my Rick, you know, that I played in Teen Idols. But Did you go buy a, a Strat or something? Yeah, I bought a, uh, uh, it's one of those Mexican Strats, you know, actually... I I put it on, uh, I financed it, you know, because I, I didn't want to have to pay for all of it up front. So I went ahead and financed it. My first payment was the day of the show that I got <laughs> injured. I'm like, God, dude, this is like karma kicking me in the balls or something. I don't know. It was just a horrible letdown. And, and actually, my, my cabinet and amp and everything are still in the van to this day because I my hand was so messed up, I couldn't lift them to, to unload the van. So... So all my gear, other than the guitar itself, is still in the van. Like I was ready to go to the show. Damn, you got to get that out, man, before someone breaks in and steals yeah, it. Yeah, I'll shoot them from the window. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now you know, like uh, a couple of weeks later, the all the the burnt part of my hand kind of peeled off, and now it's like little tender pink baby skin underneath there. So I'm I'm back where I could actually play again now, and everything. It's just if if I wash my hands with too hot of water, I. I I know it real quick, you know, that kind mm, of yeah. tender meat under there. But luckily nothing permanent doesn't look like no nerve damage or anything like that. But that's, good. Just, that's just my bad luck. Stuff like that happens. Yeah. I saw the picture you sent me of your hands. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt for you, man. That sucks. Yeah. I sent that picture to the guys in the riptides and, uh, Bob Goblin, their bass player was like, walk it off. You pussy. <laughs> you know, <I> was like, <laughs> okay. You know, like, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, well, that sucks, man. Is is there any chance you could ever do anything with him again? Probably. I mean, I think the the main reason that he wanted me down there for this show is the the guy that's been playing lead guitar or second guitar with them. I, if you've seen any recent queer shows, yeah. Joe does. Yeah, like Joe doesn't even play half of the set, and and the other guy just takes over all the guitar duties. So uh, he didn't want to do the live show because of uh, COVID or something like that. He was ner- too nervous about COVID, even though it was mainly an empty room. I think there was just a handful of uh, engineers that were there actually filming it and everything, and a small live audience of about five or six people. But he didn't want to do it. So he's like, hey, man, would you want to do it instead? I'm like, fuck, yeah, let's do this. I ain't scared. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if, if Ginger's still playing with him or what the deal is. I, I you know, I haven't really talked to Joe in length at length about it at all, but I don't know. Maybe I, I might've shot myself in the foot with Joe canceling on the worldwide live stream, but I, he seemed like it, there was no hard feelings about it or anything. He felt more bad that I got hurt, you know? So in the future, who knows what could happen? It seemed like you were pretty excited for it. We going to, is it, is it lighting any fires under your ass to get, to uh, start playing again, making your own music? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's always nice. a fire lit under my ass once in a while. It's just I, I'm so busy all the time with regular life that it's hard to actually get the time to sit down and actually focus on writing. You would think, you know, everybody's been under lockdown. Well, not me. I've been going to work every single day through this entire thing because uh, I'm considered an essential life safety worker. So uh, I've been extra busy because... You know, we've had to pick up the slack of other people that are locked down. We have to go out there and hustle extra hard. So it's been extra hectic during yeah. this entire last year. But yeah, I, I really need to just focus on making time for myself because I, you know, I love to play music and write music and everything. I just I've been so busy taking care of everybody else that I, I forget to make time for myself sometimes. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did the Teen Idol seven inch last year. Absolutely, that was Dude, awesome. Dude, blew people away, man. People were shocked. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that would see the light of day. So, thanks for putting that out, man. That's awesome. Dude, I was completely honored, man. It was like it's like the highlight of of my uh, all my labels, you know. And um, it went over very, very well. And I'll announce right now that uh, it's being repressed, coming Woo! out uh, maybe in a month, month or so. I, I, awesome. I get, Dude, I get a lot of people still looking for it. Really? So, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You, so you um, had made new uh, shirts and everything too to go. Yeah, we hand we hand might thinking maybe we'll do another run of a different shirt or something. So Cool. Yeah, we'll see what down. happens. Yeah, as long uh, as people want it, I'll keep trying to give it. All right, man. So you want to uh, you want to you want to play a new song with me or what? Yeah, let's do some new stuff. All right, so this is a band called uh The 99ers from Minneapolis, Minnesota cool band um steven reached out and uh he sent me this new song it's called kissing johnny ramon check it out
there you go, man. Kissing Johnny Ramone. What do you think, Phil? I think it's awesome. So it is. So tell me more about these guys because I'm not that familiar with who's in the band and what's their story. You know, I honestly I don't know much about them. They're from they're from Minneapolis. I know they're uh, Stephen, super nice guy. He listens to the show. Um, he reached out early on in the in the uh, the beginning of the show and sent us some uh, free CDs of one of the albums. Awesome. And uh, just that, just this super kind of like bubblegum pop punk with like a little bit of a you know like an English flair. Right. Yeah, you know, I was like, going to ask you when I first uh, was listening to that. I was, are they? Do they have accents? Because it almost yeah. sounds like I was thinking maybe they were an Italian band trying to sound American at first or something like that. You know. No, he's he's from uh, he's English, so he's British. They have this, yeah, he's British. They have a oh. mod sound a little bit to him. Gotcha. I always thought. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, I totally picked that up too. Yep. Cool stuff, dude. And yeah, of course. And I mean, it's just a. I don't, I don't know the story behind the song. Something about I don't. Yeah, kissing Johnny Ramone. I don't know, but it's yeah. a cool song. I really <laughs> like it. I think there's a video coming out too. So the video, you can, uh, I, you know, it'll be in the group. It'll be, you know, just go to YouTube and look up uh, kissing Johnny Ramone by the Ninety Niners and. Yeah, I want to hear more from them. I think they sound awesome. Let's get to know the band. Introduce yourself. Jerry Only, bass. Yeah. Glim Whitman, yeah. idiot. Yeah. Doyle guitar. Yeah. Bravo. 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 All right, man, Misfits. Yeah. Are they your favorite band or what? Oh, yeah, definitely. Hands down, all-time favorite band for me, for sure. How'd you get into the Misfits? Like, what what age were you? Oh, man, I must have been, I want to say 14 or 15, probably, somewhere around there. And, you know, I, I'm a little older, so I, I know a lot of people <laughs> discovered the Misfits because of Metallica, you know, doing The Last Caress and Green Hell yeah. on Garage Days. But I actually knew of them before that um, because I started going to shows when I was 12, 13 is when I started going to punk shows and I would always see the Crimson Ghost iconic shirt, you know? And so I was hanging out with a buddy of mine who's, he's probably about 10 years older than me. And I was like, what, what is that skull? I always see that on everybody's shirts, man. And everybody seems to really think that, what, what is that? You know, because back in the old days, they didn't, didn't say misfits on the back of those shirts. It was just mm-hmm. the skull. So I had no clue. I was like, I see that skull everywhere. And he's like, oh, dude, yeah, that's the misfits, man. And he goes, because I was more of a metal kid. You know, I was into thrash and speed metal and stuff. And he's like, you know, you like Black Flag, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Black Flag's really aggressive. And I like that. And he goes, dude, you got to check out the misfits because I think they're going to be right up your alley. And he didn't have anything to let me hear. So I went to the mall, and we used to have a record store in the mall called The Sound Shop, and they had a alternative section. So I was looking through cassette tapes, and the only Misfits they had was Evil Live. So I bought the Evil Live cassette tape, and I listened to it, and that's the first time I'd ever heard the Misfits was the Evil Live stuff. So I'm listening to that going, oh, fuck yeah, dude, these guys are like aggressive and they, you know, they're talking to the crowd like, one more time and I'll kick your ass. And we pound these guitars like jackhammers and shit. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, these dudes are badass. <laughs> and, you know, and you're looking at the picture. There weren't that many pictures, but I'm looking at them like, dude, these guys look like scary and really Scary cool. as fuck, yeah. Yeah, it's like, because I love horror movies and, you know, and, and like, it's like if you mix horror movies and The Road Warrior like the bad guys from the road warrior together. That's like what they looked like to me. And I'm like, dude, this, this shit's awesome. And 
So then I, I started searching out more of their stuff, and the next thing I bought was Walk Among Us. And so it's like a lot of the Evil Live songs, but it's the studio versions, and I'm like, oh my god, this is even better. Like This is the polished versions of what I've been listening <laughs> to this whole time. I, I was just hooked after that. And I still think Walk Among Us is probably my favorite Misfits record as a full album. And I was like, wait, what are these other songs like? Because on Evil Live they have London Dungeon, or it starts to play London Dungeon, and and you know stuff like, what the hell? What? Are, where can I find these songs? You know, because back then it, it was really hard to find Misfits stuff. You know, yeah, and especially in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, we didn't have like cool punk rock record stores or anything back then. It was just so a lot of it was record trading through the back of Maximum Rock and Roll, and, and you know somebody in the scene would get some misfits record and then they would make cassette copies for everybody and it would just get passed around. You know, it was almost like this urban legend of, you know, it, it, it's funny cause it kind of reminds me of, uh, was it the, the crow. We ever remember <laughs> in the movie, the crow, the guy's dead, you know, and you can't get, you can't get the records anymore and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so, so weird, but that's kind of how it was like, Oh dude, yeah, I remember we, we all used to hang out at this park. You know, all the punk rockers after the shows would go congregate in this park after dark called Dragon Park because there was a big uh, concrete dragon statue in the middle of it. And we'd all sit around drinking Mad Dog and shit, you know, in this park at night. And uh, some dude pulls up and he goes, dude, you got to check this out. And he's, he starts playing this cassette over his car uh, radio. It's Children in Heat. It's like, this is a new fucking misfit song nobody's ever heard. And we're like, what the fuck? You know, it's like <laughs> this amazing thing. Like, oh my God, he found a new song. What the hell? And uh, yeah, it was like, they were this kind of a legendary urban legend kind of band for us. Cause you know, they broke up in 83 and this was probably 86 when I was really fully getting into them. You know, then, then Metallica came out like fucking Metallica's covering the Misfits, and Cliff Burton's got a fucking Crimson Ghost tattoo on his arm. Like, what the hell, dude? This is crazy. And that let us know that there was bigger bands that were also into the Misfits. And it was like, you know, they were kind of this cult band. You know, if you were a fan, you're a diehard. I was into Metallica when I was a mm-hmm. little kid, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing pictures and. You know, you'd see the Misfits shirts and, and all that, and it was like, I always had an interest, like, what is this, you know? Like, I didn't really know, and then um, uh, I was in, uh, like, sixth grade? Mm-hmm. Fifth, yeah, it was sixth grade, yeah, and uh, me and this guy from, he was a foreign exchange student from Sweden, Hendrik was his name, I don't know how I remember that, but um, <laughs> we went into this Osco drug in, in Madison, mm-hmm. and... um. And yeah, I lifted the fucking uh, the the misfits like the the comp, you know, the yellow cover. Oh yeah, uh, I, I lifted that tape, and just because I was so curious, you thief. just because yeah yeah, yeah. I, I fucking <laughs> stole that thing. And I remember I put it on, and I was like, I think at the time, you know, I was in a Metallica and like, you know, Slayer, uh-huh. and I was like a little bit uh, unimpressed. I think you know right. it didn't it didn't blow my mind because it wasn't metal. Right, right, right. It, y- years later. I came around on it, you know, but, um, yeah, that was the moment that I kind of discovered the misfits. Yeah. I think that I kind of think that the misfits are a gateway band, you know, like a gateway <laughs> drug for, for metal heads to get into punk, you know, it's cause they, they have all the, the horror appeal of the metal world, but they have that melodic, you know, if you enjoy good melodies and good songwriting, dude, they, they're that gateway to, from metal into melodic, but yet aggressive punk rock. 
yeah, they were, you know, they wrote great songs. The early stuff is so good. Oh, yeah. And they also have kind of a, they have kind of a 50s element to them, you know, that. Absolutely. And that was also appealing to me. You know, all that together was the perfect combination. Looking back on it now, I, I, I don't hear, I mean, I hear, I hear great songs with the Misfits, but it's like, I don't hear the influence on the metal community other than right. the look. Yeah, and, and I think they looked like a metal band. They sounded not like a metal band. Yeah, until Christ the Conqueror. <laughs> Have you ever heard that stuff? Yeah, until yeah. later on they they did, but it's like it's almost like they were they were catering to that metal crowd at that point, you and, know. And I kind of still feel like they're doing that today a little bit. It's like, hey, you guys, don't forget, you're supposed to be a punk band, you know? Like, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not you're not a metal band. You do have metal fans, but let's not forget the core of your fan base are punk rockers. I think those guys are more metal heads themselves, at least I know Doyle is, you know, he's I mean, Jerry and Glenn wrote all the classic stuff, especially mm-hmm. Glenn, I think, but you know, they're from the, that era of the 80s where metal was king, you know, and so I think they still are in that mind frame. Go back and focus on your true fan base. You know what, with the Misfits, it's like they used to have this uh they used to be dangerous and exciting. Yeah. And and then, then somewhere you know, before 95, before the reunion, they just mm-hmm. kind of went Scooby-Doo, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, told, I told Jerry that to his face. Yep, yep. So, hey, so I want to know that story. Uh, maybe the, we got some listeners that haven't heard that. Tell us. I want to know, like, <laughs> A, okay, so let's start with this. Teen Idols. Did the Teen Idols, I know they played with the Misfits at least once. Is that it? Yep. Just the one show? Um, I think actually playing, yes, but we were at several shows that they played just as... Uh, fans you know just we were in the crowd but they the cool thing about those guys is they're so genuine that they will remember they remember people's dogs names like i don't understand (laughs) i you know when i was touring a lot i met all kinds of people every day not anywhere near the level that they do i wouldn't remember somebody's grandma's name you know what i mean but they they (laughs) you see jerry and you haven't talked to him and five years and he's like hey how's uh so-and-so doing it's like how the fuck do you remember that you know it's he's got a mind like a steel trap and i think it's because he genuinely cares you know like he he's actually interested and he wants to know everything about everybody that loves the misfits it's i don't know how i don't know how he does it but uh so yeah we uh the first time i ever met those guys in person was 96 when they were touring with anthrax they did the Anthrax Misfits tour. I think they were calling it the Resurrection tour or something like that. It was the first big tour with Michael Graves on lead vocals. Who headlined that show? Was that, That's got to be the Anthrax show. It right? was, yeah, it was an Anthrax show, but the they played in Knoxville. So we drove to Knoxville for the show, me and a buddy of mine. And uh, we were old Misfits fans from way back, you know, and so we were there for the Misfits. And looking around that crowd, I would say a good 80% of that crowd was there for the Misfits. Like, they didn't even give a shit about Anthrax at all. But we were hanging out in the parking lot, um, and Doyle came out. Like, he was walking to their bus or whatever, and we were both kind of like, oh, fuck. That's Doyle. <laughs> Dude, like We were like like kids, you know, like starstruck almost. And and so I just blurted out, hey, Doyle. <laughs> yeah, and my buddy slaps me. He goes, dude, what are you doing? And Doyle looks over and goes, what? I'm like, what's up, man? You know, like, just, uh, I didn't have anything to say <laughs> other than like, wow, I just talked to Doyle from the Misfits. It was like, 
seeing a unicorn, you know, it was like <laughs> yeah, so yeah. weird. And I've only seen this guy on bootleg VHS tapes before then and, and album covers, you know. And so uh, he kind of like just nodded to us like, what's up? You know, and he just kind of walked off. But um, at the end of that show, <laughs> at the end of their set, Jerry took his bass off and just did a swan dive into the crowd and everybody, you know, like crowd surfing, and he starts tapping people. He says, "Carry me to the back to the bar back there." And so everybody just kind of carried <laughs> Jerry over their heads and set him on the bar. He's walking around on the bar with a sharpie in his hand, going, "Who's got something to sign?" You know, he's he's so accessible. And so, you know, I, I had a poster that I bought, you know, from their merch, and he signed it to me and everything, and I hung that on my wall for years. But he was so accessible and genuine and cool it's like nothing i'd ever really seen from a band of that size before uh he would and he stayed there until he signed everything that people wanted wow. to sign like he must have sat there for three hours during anthrax's set he's in the back sign just signing shit at the bar and i was like what the fuck dude i've never seen this kind of accessibility on That's somebody cool. like that. yeah and so then uh I think the next time we saw him was we actually played with him in Nashville. They came back through. It was the American Psycho tour, and uh, before we were there all for, you know for sound check since we were actually playing the show, and I watched their sound check. And uh, as soon as they were done, you know I was still pretty intimidated, you know, because they were like heroes to me. But I had made. Uh, I think we had the first Teen Idols album was out right it had just come out or something so i gave him a copy of the self-titled teen idols record and a little press kit with a glossy photo of us and everything <laughs> that i put together in a little folder i kind of gave gave jerry the whole shebang you know it's like hey this is my band and and i you know most people if you give somebody like that something they're just going to hand it off to somebody else and go oh thanks he sat down on the drum riser and opened up that folder and read the entire bio and looked at the CD, opened it up, looked at the inside of the, you know, the fold out in the booklet and everything. I was like, dude, he actually, he's looking at the shit. Like he actually cares, you know? And that's cool. Wow. And so he must've locked it in his mind. And then when we played, they actually watched us play and shit. I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy that, you know, legends are sitting there watching your band play. Yeah. And, uh, and so the next time we saw them, um, they were playing in Minneapolis or something. And we happened to be on tour and we were standing in line, you know, with everybody else waiting to get tickets and get in. And it was snowing really bad outside. And uh, so we're all in line with our Teen Idols jackets on and shit. And one of their uh, road crew comes out and goes, hey, you guys are Teen Idols, right? And we're like, yeah. They said, yeah, Jerry and Doyle saw you guys out here, and he said, "Get your asses in here." Yeah, and okay. So we followed. We he led us into the thing ahead of the whole crowd, you know, the line, and they're in there, and they had a, a gym set up basically in the the area where the audience would stand. They had a a bench, you know, they were lifting weights and shit. <laughs> like they would they would actually lift weights, and they were sponsored by some uh, protein powder company or something. And so we went in there like, hey, it's the Teen Idols. What's up, man? You know, they're like long lost buddies. We're like, what the fuck? The Misfits know who we are and they want to hang out with us and shit. And so they, uh, after they got done working out, they, they made us load all their weights into their RV. <laughs> so I think that was our payment to get into the show was we had to load their weights after they were done working out. But uh, they sat around and bullshitted with us. And they're like, yeah, man, so you guys are on uh, – it's funny because Jerry, for some reason, can never remember 
Fat Mike's name. Like he always calls him Big Mike for some reason. <laughs> like, how's, how's Big Mike? You know, all this kind of shit. Like, oh, you mean Fat Mike? Yeah, 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 Fat Mike. So, but anyway, because uh, I think Fat Mike was courting the misfits during that time to try to get them on fat. Wow. And so, uh, I was kind of like, he was talking to me as like a go between because he knew that we were affiliated with honest Dons and all that. Those guys are kind of like, they don't really have their finger on the pulse of punk rock anymore. Cause you know, they've, they're out of that league. Yeah, and yeah. so he would, he would ask me like, so what's fat like, you know? And it was, I was like, dude, I can't believe I'm talking to the misfits about fat records right now. But uh, I guess nothing ever panned out, and they ended up starting their own label called Misfits Records, which they still have now. But mm-hmm. but it was just really crazy that they were so. It was almost like once you got in and they liked you, you're like family, you know. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, you would never would have think you wouldn't think that you know, like just listening to their records and stuff that they're actually really nice, down to earth dudes, but they are. I watched uh, a few interviews with with Jerry just on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's such just like he comes across as just a, a genuinely nice dude. But um, it's yeah. it's really funny because I think he, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but he he it's like he's trying to come across like he doesn't know everything, but he does. Yeah, he's like if you if you watch some of these interviews, he's like talking some about some random. You know, they ask him a question, he's like, "Oh yeah, we played with those guys like." 15 years ago probably and then all of a sudden he just shoots out yeah it was june 22nd 1995 i'm telling you and it's like what the fuck like he beats around the bush a little bit but he actually knows the answer it's so funny to watch it i think he's got photographic memory or something because he does he remembers names and dates like nobody joe queer is the (laughs) only other person i know that does that like Joe will remember the room number of a hotel that he stayed in ten years ago. Like, oh yeah, it was on the third floor, like fourth floor down. It was a uh, room four hundred three. Like, how the fuck do you remember that? I, I like that's yeah. in and out. That's not that's short term memory stuff for me. I don't I don't remember the last toilet I took a shit on. You know what I mean? Like it's like he remembers everything, and Jerry is the same way. Like he remembers, yeah. So another cool thing about them, you know, like I I told you, I gave them the CD of our first record and every time we had a new record come out like pucker up or for leather jacket whenever i would run into the misfits which we started crossing paths a lot which was really awesome i would give them the latest record and you know just kind of keeping them up to date on what we were doing and um i found out later that they would listen to them on their bus or whatever you know like i guess they they Whoa. must not have, they must not have got a lot of people giving them CDs for whatever reason. Maybe they were kind of like untouchable or something, but I had a direct pipeline and I was like, Hey Jerry, here's the new album. Oh, cool, cool. And they would listen to it. Is I actually, I, I talked to Doyle one time, like he didn't know who I was. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm in a band called Tina. I was like, yeah, the greaser band plays like fifties, but like punk rock. I'm like, yeah, he goes, yeah, you guys are awesome. I'm like, what the fuck? You know who we are. Like, I didn't think he would even listen to it, but yeah, they would actually listen to the CDs on the bus and fast uh, badass man yeah and so i found out later that after you know whenever they would rotate the cds out he would give them to his son jerry jr who is now known as jerry other and was playing guitar for the misfits for a while and he uh i met him when he was 14 years old um on warp tour he was his summer vacation from high school was roadieing for his dad's band. And so, uh, so I met Jerry jr. And 
he you know he's a 14 year old kid he's like hey yeah i love your band man it's like uh when are you gonna tour with my dad's band like you guys would go great together <laughs> i was like oh shit that'd be awesome i said yeah hook you it up, tell man. your dad man <laughs> hook it up yeah we'll do that hook it up so yeah so uh, apparently all the music that jerry would be given a, throughout a tour he would hand it to his kid and so that's how he got into punk rock stuff was from cds that his dad would give him which is pretty awesome and uh so i, I still talk to him today so uh that's great so yeah. do they ever uh they ever give you any feedback about like any like the favorite teen idols album or song or anything like that not really i don't think they looked that deep into it but they definitely knew who we were and you know what we were all about which i thought was I was honored that they even took the time to even yeah. listen, you know, open the record and put it on the player, you know, like, wow, that for, you know, cause they were a huge influence on me and to let them to just to know that they even heard of me or heard my music was awesome. They really did kind of become like our, our buddies, which was so weird. You know, you would run into the misfits somewhere and be like, Hey, what's happening? How's, uh, how's your dog? You know, and shit, like, you know it was totally <laughs> weird. weird. And, and Jerry would just want to hang out, you know, like, Hey, we're gonna go uh, party at Arturo Vegas house after the show. You want to come? Man, I'm gonna make protein shakes with vodka in it. And like, that <laughs> yeah. sounds amazing. You know, like, what the hell? So let's let's talk about the the time you almost became the uh, singer of the Misfits. Yeah. So if if nobody heard that episode on the Dummy Room before, I talked about it briefly. Uh, this was when they had Des Kadena on guitar and. Marky Ramon, who I had been playing with, I'd been playing bass for Marky, so uh, they were on Warp Tour, and half of the show was Marky on drums, and the other half was Robo, who, it was amazing to see Robo, fucking Black Flag, mm-hmm. and the Misfits, so we're hanging out and shit, and uh, Jerry comes up to me after their set, and he goes, hey, uh, are you going to be at many more of these Warp Tour things? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe, and he goes, hey, would you want to, would you want to sing for us? I'm like, <laughs> like sing for you? I goes, yeah. Would you be interested in doing that? And I'm like, um, yeah, but you know, let me think about it. I mean, holy shit, I just got asked to sing for my favorite band. You know, like what the fuck? Because we could use you up there, man. It'd be great. I was like, yeah, let me think about it. You know, and so I was so excited that I went around telling all my friends, like, dude, Jerry just asked me to sing for the fucking Misfits, and so. I started getting drunk. Like I started celebrating, cracking beers, going, this is fucking amazing. And so I started drinking and I got, the more drunk I got, the more I started thinking about how I would influence this band. If I got into it, I'm like, we got to make some changes here. You know, like you said, the, the Scooby-Doo thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah we got to get back to the scary stuff and we got to get, you know, get tough and we got to, you know, trim some fat and start practicing and shit, you know, <laughs> like really get back in shape for the real shit, you know, that I liked. And so, my liquid courage got to the point where I decided I needed to go talk to Jerry about all of my ideas. And so I go back to their bus and I go on and Marky's sitting there and, and Jerry's there. And I said, Hey man, you know, I was thinking about this whole thing about singing for you guys and you know, I, I'm cool with it, but man, I got to tell you, we need to practice because you guys, you need practice. And, and if you don't <laughs> want me to sing for you, at least let me write you a record because, you know, you can, this shit that you guys are doing right now totally sucks. I was like, you know, you used to be scary and shit. Now you're like a fucking Saturday morning cartoon. We got to practice, dude. You know, we, we got we to gotta tighten up the ship here. <laughs> and, and Jerry, being the nice guy that he is, was just kind of like nodding his head with a smile. Going, oh, yeah. 
okay, cool, cool. Well, yeah, let's exchange information and we'll be in touch. And the whole time, Marky's just sitting behind me with this huge shit-eating grin on his face like, you are <laughs> fucking great. Like, just, you know, because they were kind of button heads. Their egos were button heads a little bit at that point. And he was like, dude... Yeah, I talked to him about it later. He goes, you just didn't have any fear, and you just told him the straight truth right to his face that nobody has the balls to do. You know, It's like, yeah, he shouldn't be singing lead vocals for the Misfits, and they do need to tighten up the ship, and they do need to practice. And, yeah, it was like he was loving it, just watching somebody just tell the truth, you know, <laughs> right right to his face. And uh, yeah, nothing ever happen- happened with that <laughs> afterward. I think I, I totally uh, shot myself on that one for sure. Like, uh, but I was honest. At least I can say that. I I told him exactly what I thought. That's a great story, man. I could, that's that takes some serious balls. I you know, I was just drunk. You know, I was that was really stupid of me to do that. Actually, looking back, I mean, I could have had a whole <laughs> different life if I would have done that. But yeah, definitely, man. But yeah, I I was a little too. Uh, uh, you know, the emperor has no clothes. I was kind of like, dude, you guys suck now. You need to fucking tighten it up. <laughs> like, well, that was, that's a weird lineup, you know, to have like Marky and Dez and him. It's like, they didn't have a look. I mean, yeah. they all had their own look. And it was like, yeah. to, to me with the Misfits, it's like, they had a look in the beginning, you know, they were like, yeah. even today, I mean, they look like, Dude, they look like like male strippers at like a biker bar, like kind of like Chippendales, like Hell's <laughs> Chippendales, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then just to have Jerry being the only guy there to have that look and have Marky next, it's just it just yeah. didn't look good. And the whole thing with Dez, like Dez, what the fuck are you doing wearing this weird greenish makeup? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? That's not Dez Kadena from Black Flag, like. What the fuck is going on with you guys? So yeah, the elements of that. I was like, we got to stop doing stupid shit and get back to the real, you know, back back in the fucking Walk Among Us era look and all that kind of shit. And uh, yeah, I don't think he appreciated me telling him the truth because <laughs> I was like, dude, you guys look ridiculous right now. You know, you got to stop with all the fucking weird makeup and shit. But <laughs> obviously, he didn't listen because <laughs> they're still doing it now. Yeah, but at least they're. You know, got everybody there now, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, my God. It's Glenn like the, and Doyle. With Glenn back in the band, that was like the, the dream of every hardcore Misfits fan. It was, you know, it was the thing that nobody ever thought it would really happen, was that they would get back together. There was always these urban legend rumors, like, they're going to get back together on Halloween night, man. You know, it's going to be awesome. And it never <laughs> happened, you know? When they actually did it, they sold out Madison Square Garden. Like, holy shit. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's amazing. I, you know, the only regret is I wish they would have done it 30 years earlier. You know what I mean? Like when they were still all super prime, that would have been the time to really reunite because they would have been a, a super powerhouse making new records and all that stuff. So like back in the 80s, like 83 was their last show, right? Like right. what do you think their biggest show up to that point would have been? Like hundreds of people? I've seen, you know, I have some of these old VHS shows of them in California and stuff like that. And it looks like there's at least, you know, maybe between five and 800 people at those shows. So I think near the end, probably during like the Walk Among Us time frame, I think they were doing pretty well. Uh, Earth AD was a weird record. You know, like, oh, yeah, I think, I think it threw a lot of people that were into it for the reasons that we probably are into it for, you know, the, the melodic 50s influence punk rock and all of a sudden they started trying to get more thrash and it's like what the fuck but you know that's what was popular <laughs> so they're just trying to go with the trend i think but 
I think that's a huge mistake for them. There are cool songs on that record, but overall, it's not the Misfits that I wanted to see. And uh, but I have seen shows, you know, old videos from that era too, and they still had crazy packed crowds. You know, yeah, not like arena level or anything, but you know, imagine seeing that lineup in a in a club that held about five hundred people. It would be incredible. You know. Yeah, exactly. But just, you know, fast forward, what, 30, 30 years or whatever, 30 plus years. Yeah. And they're playing, you know, selling out arenas and, you know, Chicago and New York and Vegas or wherever. Which it, I think it's is probably just, shocking to them too, you know? Yeah, like, good for them. But it's oh, just, hell yeah. it, it's just that, just that imagery, you know, it's that constant, it was Metallica, you know what I mean? It's like still wearing those you know, those Misfits shirts. And I mean, just a legend oh, yeah. of the Misfits that people had to go see it. You know, I think I think that Metallica was the biggest thing that ever happened to them. Oh, yeah. You know, hands down. It, it, just them being fans exposed a whole new generation to the Misfits. Because they were already gone. By the time Metallica hit it, you know, bigger, the Misfits were a legend by that point. Nobody ever thought they'd ever be back together. Yeah, the closest thing you could get was Sam Hain. You know, when I first started discovering him and everything, it was before Danzig went solo, and uh, so Sam Hain was kind of they didn't tour a whole lot either. That was the closest thing you could get to the Misfits was Glenn and Erie Vaughn and you know London May and all those guys. And so, uh, a funny story about Danzig. I guess this would have been eighty eight ish. Um, when, whenever the first Danzig record came out, I want to say it was probably 88 or 89, something like that. I think it was 88. They toured for the first self-titled Danzig record and they played in Nashville at a place called the Cannery Ballroom, which I used to go to punk shows there all the time. But the show was 18 and up and I was like 17. I couldn't go. I couldn't get into the show. Uh I was so fucking bummed, but I just went down there anyway and hung out in the parking lot hoping for a glimpse of those guys or something. And I never saw them, but I saw their van and they had just a, they were touring in a, just a white, uh, like a Chevy van, like any of, uh, the pop punk bands would do now, you know, mm-hmm. and their license plate said Sam Hain. I was like, how fucking awesome. I wish I would have <laughs> taken pictures of that. Cause it was like, holy shit. See a, just a plain white van that said Sam Hain on the license plate. That That's was awesome. great. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was 88, that album, which is weird because, uh, you know, of, of course, Mother exploded in, like, the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that record was out for several years before it, mainstream even noticed it. Mm-hmm. But I remember that the day it came out, the first Danzig record, me and a bunch of my buddies stood in line outside of Tower Records waiting for the door to open because that was the day that the, the self-titled Danzig record was going to drop. And we rushed in and bought up, you know, they had the gatefold cover, the albums and everything. A bunch of us ran in there and just were fighting each other for the copy, you know, like, <laughs> I got this one, you know. Because it was the closest thing to the Misfits you could get, and it was Glenn, so that was awesome. Yeah, I think that's that kind of plays into the whole uh, legend, too, because, I mean, people were, you know, kids were growing up listening to Danzig then, and they right. wanted, they were maybe seeing those songs performed live, but they really wanted to see them performed with with the misfits, you know, the real, the real shit. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. So Danzig going solo. I mean, he was, he's still pretty popular that he mm-hmm. was definitely the, uh, you know, uh, the driving force behind a lot of this misfits craze. 
has to oh, be, you know. Oh yeah, and and he's all over him. You know, back then he was all over MTV. I mean, you saw oh, that yeah. mother video on Beavis and Butthead and shit, you know. So <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I'll run into people that aren't really, you know, they they don't know a whole lot about punk rock and stuff, but they know who Danzig is. Oh and yeah, they definitely know who Metallica is. And I always say, yeah, you know, Glenn Danzig was the lead singer of the Misfits, and they're like, who's that? Like, no way, dude. You don't know the past, you know. So then they discover it and they go, oh, fuck, this is good, you know. Dude, I used to work with this guy. Um, you know what You know what my line of work is, so you know what kind of guy I work with. But um, right. we went out to lunch one day, and it was like a big, uh, all the guys were there. This was like probably 15 years ago or so. And um, we were talking about music and shit, and he's just like, oh, you like, you like punk rock, huh? And, and this guy's like, not the kind of guy you would, you wouldn't even think of it, you know. And he's right. like, oh, you like the Misfits? Yeah, you know, like, it's like you like Black about? Flag, you know, and he's asking me all this stuff, and he's like, he's like he, he was in the Navy, and he, um, he was stationed in San Diego, so uh, he would go up to L.A. and he's like, yeah, dude, he's like the greatest thing on earth is Halloween night seeing Danzig. Oh wow! You know? And he was a huge Danzig fan, and uh, I actually saw him like maybe two years ago. He's a he's a teacher at one of the university or the the tech college here now, right? And um. Yeah, we start talking, and he's like, yeah, he's like, dude, I'm still listening to Misfits and shit. And it's like, damn. Like, this guy is, like, not. You, you would never, never guess. Yeah. Never, never guess. Never assume. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's just crazy the, the reach that that band has. You know, it's funny thinking about that now because a lot of people that would see me at my job probably have no no clue that I'm a punk either, you know what I mean? You, you know, told me that story about that kid in that hospital. Yeah, where the, the guy recognized me and he came up and just told me he appreciated the music and all that shit. And the guys that I worked with looked at me and go, oh, you're not bullshitting. You actually really were in a band, you know? But, but thinking about that also, when I was probably 17, 16, 17, total skateboard and punk rocker with a mohawk and shit, I was at Pizza Hut one time and uh, the manager of Pizza Hut came out and goes, you guys like punk rock? Yeah, man, I used to be into punk rock. And I look at this guy, and he just looked like a, a manager of Pizza Hut. And I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You were never punk, because if you were, you'd still be a punk. You know, that was my sassy attitude back when I was a teenager. <laughs> like, you were never a real punk, because you'd still be a punk, you know. But now I get it. I understand. You have to get a job eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Even at Pizza Hut, dude. And yeah, you know, something like that happened to me. And uh, I was, we were in Cleveland hanging out with Pat Termite, and we went to this local bar, just a little neighborhood bar, and we're sitting there having some beers. And and these guys keep looking at us from the bar. I'm like, oh shit, we're about to get in a fight, dude, because this guy looks totally just like a kind of a redneck looking dude with like a flannel shirt on. And he's like eyeballing us. I'm like, shit, dude, I'm about to have to fight with Pat Termite against some rednecks. <laughs> you know, this is going to be bad. Dude, honestly, and, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I can't imagine Pat in a fight. Hey, guys, yeah. put up your dukes, guys. <laughs> he might pull out some kind of crazy karate that you don't even know about. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, he'd probably tase you. You know what I mean? But Yeah, um, yeah. So, so this <laughs> this dude and his buddy get up, and they start walking towards our table. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here we go. It's about to start time to throw down. And this guy says, hey, uh, you like punk rock? They're like, yeah. He's like, you heard of the Dead Boys? I'm like, yeah. He goes, hey, I'm Dave Magnum. You know, it's the fucking dude from the Dead Boys, the bass player. <laughs> and, or Je Jeff Magnum, right? Is it Jeff or Dave? Fuck, I can't remember. Jeff, I think. But he fucking, 
it was the dude from the Dead Boys, and I was like, dude, I thought totally thought we were gonna have to fight you, because <laughs> like, he did not look <laughs> like a punk at all. Like I thought for sure we were about to get in a fist fight. Did he know who you were? No, he just saw some young punk leather jackets. Yeah. yeah, and so of course we he sits down with us, and we have some beers, and we start bullshitting and telling him, yeah, we're in bands and stuff. And Pat, we were like right around the corner from Pat's apartment. He goes, we got to get him some records. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, so we're like, Hey dude, hang out for a minute. We're going to get you some shit, you know? So we go back and uh, I grabbed him. I think it was like the first Teen Isles record and Pat gives him like taste of sand or something. You know, we, we give him to him and probably about four months later, I checked my PO box back at home and there was a postcard from him saying, dude, I really like your music. Keep playing. It's awesome. You know, it's great to meet you. And shit. Like, what the fuck? So he wrote to the P.O. Box address that was inside the first album cover. And I was that's like, damn, that's pretty awesome. You know, it's it's always the older guys from the, the legendary bands that didn't get that success that a lot of the MTV crowd did. They're still humble. And it's, it's awesome. Like, they're down to earth, no ego at all. And I think that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, it's Jeff Magnum. Jeff, yes, yes, that's what it was. I know another guy named Dave Mangum, and I always get them mixed up. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff Magnum. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was a totally nice guy, totally down to earth, but I totally thought I was going to have to fight him when I first saw him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just, it's just weird when you meet somebody and they're like into the same thing, but you, you just come from different worlds. Absolutely. And it just rarely, rarely happens, you know. I, I'm always shocked. You know, back in the day, I always say like, you know, back in the mid-90s, if you saw some kid wearing a Screeching Weasel shirt or had a Mr. T Experience sticker on their car, you knew you you wanted to hang with them. Right. You know? Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in high school, these, uh, uh, you know, I'm in La Crosse, but there's a, there's a city um, south of me a few hours called Beloit. Right. And Beloit used to be like the hub, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the alumni house was like where everybody played. Right. And um, I remember like probably like 94, 95, a couple kids from Beloit moved to my town for college and it was like instantly like they were like the coolest kids there you know because they had seen like Screeching Weasel and everybody so but um yeah so it's like that so today I I rarely see people you know wearing like a Screeching Weasel shirt like in my town but if I did it 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 would completely blow my mind oh yeah Misfits Misfits not so much I mean you see that shit just because oh it's so weird how the Crimson Ghost has been adopted by all kinds of (laughs) other cultures like I've seen rappers wearing a Crimson Ghost shirt that has gold like a gold grill across the teeth I'm like (laughs) what the fuck I think I saw CeeLo Green wearing a fucking Crimson Ghost shirt like what what the hell and you know they were selling them at Walmart for a while Mm -hmm. I was like what in the hell so I think a lot of these people don't even know what the Misfits you know they don't even know it's a band you know but they also they have their shit in guitar center too like they have fucking coffee mugs with the crimson ghost on it and says misfits and i'm like what what the fuck yeah it's totally weird to see like a legendary punk band commercialized like that they seem to be uh in control of a lot of that shit too right yeah um i don't know if it's mainly glenn or jerry that has the licensing on that well i think they've finally bridged the uh the divide there and i think they're together on it now but uh somebody was making money i mean it's a totally like a uh, gene simmons kind of a thing like i wouldn't be surprised to see a misfits coffin you know <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah yeah that well that would be fitting almost so who do you think yeah. has sold more t-shirts misfits or ramones oh probably ramones because i see everybody wearing the classic ramones shirt 
Even yeah. people like Shania Twain had one on in some picture. I saw like, what the fuck? She doesn't know who that is. Or maybe she does. Maybe she does. I don't know because it's also surprising when you meet uh, celebrities and shit and you find out they've got cool shit in their record collection. Um, Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio told me one time he went to a party when he moved to L.A. He went to a party at Gwyneth Paltrow's house and she had <laughs> she had vinyl and CDs and shit and he was looking through her record collections and she had my brain hurts. Wow. Like, what the fuck? So she, like, she actually likes cool music who like you never would have guessed Pepper Potts is a punk rocker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's the, crazy. Uh, that chick uh, uh, from the X-Files also was a punk rocker back in her teenage years and she knows all the bands and shit too. Jillian Anderson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep. Scully. That's cool. Um uh, yeah, Scully. Uh I think it was CJ. CJ Ramon told us that um Justin Timberlake is a big Ramones fan. Really? And yeah. uh CJ went to uh I hope I'm not butchering this, but he went to a Justin Timberlake show with his kid or something. Uh-huh. And uh, he got backstage like Justin Timberlake, or he wore uh, Justin Timberlake wore a Ramon shirt that show. Oh, like, he wow. must have known CJ was going to be there or something. But yeah, apparently, cool. he's actually a fan. That's so cool. So, you can hear the influence, you know. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I actually that, that new Trolls movie. No, I'm kidding. I saw a video a few weeks ago. Now, some some girl on TikTok. Mm-hmm. She was wearing a Metallica shirt or something, so of course she got all the metal fucking douchebags were like, I saw song, that, you know, I, and she pulled out her guitar and she was playing the songs. Yeah, yeah, and it was not like, only did yeah. she know the songs, she knew how to play the songs. <laughs> like that's that's awesome. Yeah, I saw yeah. that same thing. That was really cool. Yeah, and that that's like the ultimate fuck off, you know. Oh yeah, Definitely. you can't. Yeah, that's just one of those. That's just one of those things, you know. You can't judge that book, you know, by the cover. Oh yeah, and she didn't look like if you look at her, you're like. This you would never guess she's a Metallica fan, <laughs> but yep. yeah, she she is. So that's well, cool. It even goes back to you know, hey, the manager of Pizza Hut might look like a total dork, but he might have a fucking Crimson Ghost tattoo under that fucking shirt he's got on. You know, you never know what people are into. So I was thinking, I was thinking we could do this. We could either do uh, Phil Hill's Filthy Five Misfit songs, <laughs> or we could do uh, Nate the Great's Nasty Eight. Oh man! <laughs> How about we do both? Yeah, all right. I'd be inter- I want to hear your your eight, and I'll give you my five. All right. So let's just do. Um, I I, I don't have a list ready or anything, at all. So I'm just yeah. Gonna have to I, kind and of I'm think, I'm so. not gonna rate these one to five because they're all ones to me. You know. Yeah. So I think we'll have a couple that are the same here. So, um, you want to just read yours off, or you just want to do one at a time? Uh, I'll just do one at a time. All right. Um. Let's go number five, uh, a nickname of mine when I was a rowdy young punk rock teenager, uh, Hate Breeder.
hate breeders. You know, people used to say, you're a fucking hate breeder because everywhere you go, you want to fucking start <laughs> trouble. And so I totally relate to that song. That is fitting for you, isn't it? Yeah, total hate breeder. Uh, which I, I'm sure that's where the band Hate Breed got their name, right? It has, has to, to be. be. Has to be. Yeah. Uh, another one on my list would have to be, well, obviously Hybrid Moments. That's that's oh. probably my number one. The, uh, dude, I was. I always say Skulls is my favorite, but that song is so fucking good. That what I always liked about it is that that bass line. Oh yeah, so uh-huh. good, man. It's got a total fifties vibe to that song i mean that yeah. could have been that could have been a, a doo-wop song from the 50s it has that whole <laughs> that whole vibe you know i don't know yeah. if it's the chord progression is kind of that classic 50s chord progression or what and glenn's vocals it's like you know he can croon when he wants you know and i, I think it's got a little element of that in there too Definitely, that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, Some kind of hate is also one of my favorites. Absolutely, that's that's on my list too for sure. Yeah, um, uh, it's teenage kicks basically, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but done kind of in a spooky way. I actually like it more than that song. So yeah, um, let's see what's another great one. There's so many good ones. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you one of mine. Yeah, throw some of yours at me. Astro Zombies. Oh yeah, for sure, classic. One of my favorites. Um, yeah, just that song. Just um, just the beginning. You know that da na 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 na. Just mm-hmm. it just became a standard in in pop punk. You know. Absolutely. It seems like everyone has a song like that. Oh yeah. So and the woes are well, the woes are all over the catalog, I suppose. But yep. it seems like that's the song that, like, damn, they just stand out. Yeah, and you you can hear that influence in my songwriting for sure, especially with the woes. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you, just a, a little insight to uh, Teen Idol shit. Um, Test Tube Teens, uh, the song from Pucker Up, is mm-hmm. totally a Misfits-influenced song, lyrically and musically. But 
we didn't have the same kind of aggressive woes on our, but that, whoa, that's supposed to be more of a misfitty kind of a thing, but it came out a little bit too smooth on ours. Um, but it's definitely influenced by misfits for sure. So let me ask you, you were talking when you were talking to Jerry, like you were saying, you told him that you could write an album for him. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever wrote a song specifically thinking like misfits in mind? Not really, but a a lot of stuff that I do write is definitely influenced by them. So I know what their, the formula that that embodies them in my mind, at least if I wrote a bunch of songs in that vein, I think I could write an album for the misfits you know i could see them doing the songs that i and and actually funny story i don't know if i should tell this or not but dave parasite was actually uh in talks with them at one point too about writing a misfits record or at least writing a bunch of songs for them i've heard about that yeah Yeah. i guess he met with them and had to sit down on their bus and talked about it and stuff so i don't know whatever happened with any of that but that would be awesome too because oh Dave Parasite is a huge Misfits fan. You know, being know from being yeah. from New Jersey, he had he was in the Fiend, the original Fiend Club, and he had a lot of the classic Fiend Club seven inches and all that stuff. And I I kind of didn't really believe him. Like, oh yeah, sure, right. You know, Dave Parasite. <laughs> the Parasites don't sound anything like the Misfits. But uh, we stayed at his house in the summer of '96, and I went to sleep on his couch. And when I woke up. He had laid out on the floor in front of the couch all of these rare, you know, he's a record collector from hell. And so he's got <laughs> all these rare Fiend Club edition 
Misfit 7 inches, and he had them all laid out in a uh, coffin guitar case that I don't know if he had it custom made or what, but it had like purple satin interior and he had all the records kind of propped up. So when I opened my eyes from being asleep, I look over and I was like, oh my God, dude. It was like the treasure trove of Fiend Club releases right there in front of my feet. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. So I totally forgot about that until we just started talking about it. Yeah. He has a lot of all the, he's an old school New Jersey misfit fiend, you know? And so it would totally, it would totally make sense that he could, I could totally see him writing stuff in the vein of the misfits for them that would be amazing melodic punk rock you know i think he could do it i do too so you know on solitary he wrote that song the first song all the time in the world yeah 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 he told me that he wrote that like he tried to write a descendant song Uh, and if you listen to that song he, he fucking did i mean that sounds like a great great descendant song wow so yeah yeah I could totally see that. And, you know, the way that I even discovered the Parasites for myself was the Last Caress cover 7-inch. Yeah. I saw that, and I'm like, oh, Last Caress. Who the fuck are the Parasites? <laughs> so, so I bought that, and I was, that's how I discovered who they were. Yeah, I think he could do it. I mean, you know, a great songwriter, and, you know, if they're trying to do something like that, I think they could pull it off, you know, emulate their heroes. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think I could, too. You know, and if I just got in that zone in my mind and, and started just writing for the Misfits. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, it would be cool if me and Dave Parasite collaborated and wrote an album for the Misfits. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fucking fun? Yeah. You know what? Because I mean, I, th- I think the metal influence would be gone there. Absolutely. And they would go back to those roots. Just those. Absolutely. And imagine the fan reaction, you know, if they went back to the, the punk rock side of things, the melodic punk rock and, and kind of ditched the whole metal edge. Yeah. That would be a huge, I, I think it would be a big comeback for them, you know, in a lot of people's eyes. Like, damn, they still got it, you know? Oh, man. Now I'm fantasizing about it. How fun would that be? Shit, that'd be <laughs> awesome. All right, so what else we got on the list? Oh, I don't even know, see. since we're not doing numbers, it's kind of going to be all over the place. How about uh, Where Eagles Dare, man? Oh, Gotta hell yeah. Ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah, I know I'm going to go over eight because it's like th- that band has oh, the, too many classics, you know? Yeah, it's like top five Ramones. You just can't do it, you know? There's <laughs> too many good ones. Yeah, it's it's actually easier with the Misfits to do the album because they really, you know, they only had a couple. So whereas right. the Ramones, you know, it's like, right. fuck, you right. that debate. Um, Where Eagles Dare is, that's just a fucking anthem. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because back in the day when we were passing around bootleg cassette copies of all this stuff, there was no lyric sheet. And so I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Omelet of disease? <laughs> oh, like, I, and and it was me and my buddy sat down and we one day we just got a notepad and we were like, we're gonna figure out what the fuck these lyrics are. And so we're, we're coming up with all this crazy stuff. And then when the 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 box set came out, you know, in the coffin box set and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it had a lyric sheet booklet in it. And we're reading, oh fuck, I'm let down. Dude. Our <laughs> lyrics were way cooler than what they actually were saying. Damn. But uh. Yeah, it's still, they're still awesome songs, though. But we, we thought they were a little bit creepier than they actually were on the lyrics. <laughs> Some of the songs hit differently. Like, I always really liked London Dungeon. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of like, that didn't really fit with the rest of their style. It was no. kind of almost more gothy or something a little bit. But I love that song, too. I mean, there's they kind of dip their toes in a bunch of different styles you know and and they always somehow pulled off some cool shit 
I think I think London Dungeon is one of those songs that really makes them kind of a darker band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. mellow, but it's 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 really heavy and dark. Right. That's I heard I I thought I saw somewhere once that that song, like Glenn had gotten arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some I heard dumb that. shit, and he wrote I've, it in in jail. I've heard that too, and I don't know how true that is, but it makes a great story. I wonder if it was in London though. Probably not. It's probably in Lodi or something. Yeah, <laughs> London, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, <laughs> if that's a place. London, Ontario. That's what it was. <laughs> no, how about um? How about um? I turned into a Martian. Oh man, another great classic. <laughs> good ones but yeah let that me ask one. you do you like any of the newer stuff anything from like famous monsters or you know when famous monsters came out i fucking hated it but uh over time giving it a chance there's actually some really good shit on there and like saturday night of course is more up my alley as far as more of a 50s type thing it's a cool song um for me there's something about michael graves voice that i don't like it's, I think he sings from the back of his throat, and it almost is like a Kermit the Frog element to his voice, and it really bothers me. Like I, I think I'm just a Glenn loyalist. You oh know yeah, I mean? yeah. And so I, nobody will ever be Glenn. And that's also another thing. Like when they talk to me about singing, I'm like, I could never be Glenn. You know, even if if I was good, it wouldn't ever be Glenn. You know, I could just be up there doing a Glenn impersonation. You know what I mean? Yeah, can you, when you sing, can you try to emulate Glenn a little bit? Oh, yeah, I can do a Glenn impression for sure. Really? Yeah, oh, um, when they played Nashville the last time I saw them, uh, that would have been with Jerry on lead vocals. Um, I met a guy at the show who was a friend of Jerry Jr.'s. He's more like his age range, and uh, he actually has become a friend of mine named Jared James. He's a drummer. And he was standing right next to me, and I'm singing along with everything, you know. And uh, he looks at me and goes, dude, you should be all out front. Like, that. you fucking can nail that shit. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, 
so I'm just a huge fan, you know, and he's like, no, dude, it's actually really good. So I don't know. I, probably better than Jerry, but <laughs> <laughs> but when I, whenever I sing their songs, I, I totally do the Glenn inflections on all of it. You know, I just imitate the way he sang it. And uh, to me, that's what the Misfits should sound like. Dude, I try to do that in my car. Oh, yeah. That, that's one of the bands that I'll, I'll sing along with is the Misfits, you know, just because of the woes. Uh-huh. And, and dude, I'm. I, I I'm not even close. You know what? His, Glenn's Glenn's range is a lot higher than you think. You know, like some of those notes he's hitting are up there, but somehow the tone of his voice doesn't sound like he's squeezing his balls or anything. You know, it's like he's got this <laughs> upper range that still sounds manly. You know, it's like how, how does he do that? Some of those notes are a little bit difficult to hit. Yeah, maybe I can't maybe it's because he's them, four so. feet tall. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I listened to uh, Famous Monsters eh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and um, it's better than I than I remember it being. I, I right. listened to it a few times, and it's like, ah, this isn't Saturday Night's a stand up. But actually, it's you know, if you, if it was a little less metally, you yeah, know? yeah, 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 it doesn't totally suck. You know, it, it's definitely not a classic Misfits Glenn era, you know, hard hitter. But it doesn't, it's not that bad. You know, no, no, I I think it's one of those albums that's just. It that era of the band, the Michael Graves stuff, because it wasn't Glenn. I mean, can you imagine someone trying to, uh, you know, join the Ramones? Oh yeah, say Joey would have quit. I mean, it never would have happened. You oh know? yeah, you can't do yeah. that. So that's what they tried to do, and it just—it's very, very difficult to replace a lead singer and and retain any element of what you had. You know. Yeah. Last week, last week's episode, we talked about all. And like they are literally the only band out there that's ever been able to do it, right? Like they've had three singers, and people argue about who the best one is. So right, right. They're, and they were that's... all they were all great. You know what I mean? Like all of them were great. Yeah, it just doesn't work, man. You can't. I think when your voice is is that iconic, mm. you know, voice in a band like like a Joey or a Glenn, you just can't replace it. You know? Yeah, and you instantly know it's them as soon as they open their mouths. You know that's Glenn or that's Joey. Another person that has that element is Cody Lillington. As soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, that's Cody. There's nobody else that sounds like, except maybe the Zolanoids guy. (laughs) It sounds pretty close. (laughs) But uh, Cody's got that distinct tone that you just know it's him, no matter what. As soon as he opens his mouth, you know it's him. Yeah, it's not just his voice. It's the way he he delivers it sometimes. Because mm-hmm. when he goes like when he's not actually singing, he just like yells something, you know. Oh yeah. It's still just like oh it's yeah. So Cody, that it's like he he does no wrong. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I know he's a Misfits fan. I mean, I know it because we toured with him, and I know him very well. So <laughs> we, we uh, I don't remember if I talked about this one time on on one of the other episodes, but. We when we first toured together on the Death by Television and Pucker Up tour, one of the early shows we were uh, at we were partying with the Retreads, you know the band the Retreads. Oh yeah. And we were at Scotty Retreads house, and he had the first Danzig album on vinyl, and so we opened the gatefold, and you know the classic picture of those guys, John mm-hmm. Christ and Chuck Biscuits, and we're like, we got to recreate this, and so me and Cody. <laughs> And I think maybe it was Tim. I don't know. We four of us got together and we tried to imitate that exact pose. And somebody took a picture. So somewhere there's a picture of us imitating that gatefold picture. Uh, I wish I could find that. If I see a copy of that picture, it'd be fucking hilarious. But yeah, oh, we were, we're all hopefully somebody fans. has it. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure it's, it's probably Scotty Retread. Probably has it framed above his toilet or something. Dude, I gotta say, man, you sent me a couple photos like last week, the week before. Yeah. And I mean, oh my god, that that one of you in Vapid. <laughs> Jerry and the coach. Yeah, Jerry and the coach, and man, he looks he looks like the creepiest fucking gym coach ever. Oh yeah, oh, another buddy of ours. <laughs> it didn't he didn't see it as a coach? He's like he calls him the peeper because Vapid actually grew a real mustache for Halloween for his coach costume. <laughs> and if you look close at that picture, he's got a whistle around his neck, like he's supposed to be like a football coach or a gym coach or whatever. But he actually grew a real mustache to pull off the costume. It was hilarious. <laughs> I'm actually looking at it right now. It's creepy, yeah, he, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is creepy. At least he's got pants on. Because, yeah. like, it, he could have done the really short gym shorts and had, a, oh, like, a no. prosthetic like pair of nuts hanging out or something. Oh, my been... God. That would have been over the top. Yeah, but if you looked at that picture and I said, hey, that's a, that's a punk rock fucking legend, you'd be like, <laughs> you know, if you didn't know, you'd be like, no way. No. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and my costume that I'm wearing. <laughs> You're badass, man. I put that together that morning. Like, I didn't even know what I was going to be for Halloween that year. And I was like, dude, I'll just be fucking Jerry only. So I went to the store and I bought some red, just red paint. And I painted the inside of the collar and lapel of my leather. I cut the sleeves off my leather jacket and painted it. You know, made it like Jerry's old vest that he used to wear. <laughs> and I think... I. I borrowed some girl's stretch pants or something, you know, like I, was <laughs> I got like uh, leggings on and shit, you know, and and I had the uh, engineer boots is what they're called. The, you know, those knee high black leather boots that all the misfits guys used to wear back in the day. Okay. I bought those and used to wear them every day in high school because I was that big of a misfits. I, yeah, I used to wear a devil lock and shit sometimes to school with the fucking Jerry only black shit around my eyes and everything just <laughs> Not on Halloween, but just every day kind of look, you know. I was definitely uh, creeping people out. But um, so, I, yeah, I still had those boots and shit. And I just threw threw on whatever I had around the house and just fucking showed up as Jerry only for at a Halloween party at a buddy of ours house. And so I had to get my picture with Jerry and the coach when Vapid, Vapid was there, too. So what year times. was that? That would have been holy shit. <sighs> 2003 or something maybe somewhere around there 2003 or 2004 something like that wow long time ago now shit yeah yeah feels like it was just yesterday but (laughs) yeah that's a great picture though um hey you also sent me these pictures of all these misfits uh seven inches this is this isn't your collection is it that that's adam from the copyrights collection that i was telling you about yeah the jukebox thing yeah holy shit I guess we didn't talk about that uh, on on the episode yet, did we? I should probably talk about that story. Let's do it. So, yeah, um, Adam from the Copyrights is a buddy of mine, and he knows that I'm a Misfits freak, and he is too. And he told me that over over this past year, he's been scouring the Internet and any kind of record bins and trying to find as many uh, rare Misfits 7 inches that he could find. And he's got quite the collection, as you can see from that. That picture, and he had been restoring uh, an old jukebox that uh, it lights up and kind of pulsates with the music, whatever record's being played, and he loaded the whole jukebox with all those Misfits, rare (laughs) Misfits singles, which is insane. I would be terrified that I'd scratch the shit out of him doing that. 
but he's got them loaded up and he sent me a video clip and it's actually playing attitude, you know, and, and it's pretty awesome. So I sent that to Jerry Jr. And I'm like, dude, check this out. You know, dude from the copyrights did all this shit. And he was like, that's fucking awesome. So pretty cool. Quite the jukebox, man. Yeah. You should watch that clip. It's pretty I, I'm actually watching it right now. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that's cool. I didn't realize you sent it. So I snuck it in there. Yeah, that's great. That's oh, man. What a collection. Yeah, no doubt. I bet he paid a pretty penny for those. Yeah, so basically, Misfits have a lot of good songs, man. I There's so many. I don't even know if I hit five, but I mean, I could name 50. You know what I mean? They're all so good. Attitude. 138. Teenagers from Mars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something funny i was just remembering so back in the the first lineup of teen idols our first singer matt benson used to live with me at my mom's house and uh we were all teenagers back then he was probably 16 or whatever and my mom came to me one day and she goes i don't like that kid i'm like what are you talking about and she's like i 
I heard him screaming at the top of his lungs that this is the devil's whorehouse. And, and I ain't no goddamn <laughs> son of a bitch. And I'm like, no, he was singing. He's singing. Miss-. And she was like, no, he was yelling about me. And I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? <laughs> like she was convinced that he was screaming that this is the devil's whorehouse about her house. And you know, I was like, no, no, no. He's singing <laughs> lyrics. And he even had this big, uh, some big hound dog. And he named the dog Doyle because you know, he's a Misfits fan, too. And uh, my mom didn't like that dog either because she had done a <laughs> she had done a big uh, uh, batch of laundry. She washed a bunch of blankets, and so they were they came out of the dryer. They're all hot and everything. She folded them up and put them in this laundry basket. And and Matt's dog ran up and started humping all the clean blankets. What <laughs> 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 a fucking red rocket out! And she's like, I don't like that kid, and I don't like that dog. You need to get them the fuck out of my house. So anyway, that's a devil's whorehouse story there. So your mom's not a big Misfits fan, huh? Oh, she's heard it all from me blasting it over the years, but she did, she doesn't really pay attention, you know, to what the lyrics are and stuff. And she couldn't hear the music; she could just hear his voice screaming <laughs> from the others from his room. That this is he might have had headphones on, so like she didn't even hear the music. She just heard him screaming at the top of his lungs that this is the devil's whorehouse. Yeah, so pretty funny shit. <laughs> That's great. So Teen Idols ever do any Misfits covers? Oh, did, did we? I ask you that already? Let me think now. I like never a, like a I... Halloween show or anything like that or a cover set? I have a picture from a Halloween show years ago where I also dressed as Jerry only that year too. And I played the show like that, but I don't think we played any Misfits songs. I think I just was dressed as Jerry only. Uh, I think I've done that a few times, actually. I think I have some pictures from Halloween in Columbus, Ohio at a show, and I just I took my shirt off and combed my hair in a devil lock, and I was Jerry only or Doyle or whoever, just a misfit, you know? It's like my go-to Halloween costume. But uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think Teen Idols ever did any Misfits covers, but uh, Keith was in a band before... Teen Idols called Brutus Fly, and they did Return of the Fly. You know, okay. as like, yeah, yeah. like, since they were called Brutus Fly, it just made sense. And I played bass for them, and that song has a really funky bass tone, you know, like that weird bass sound that he's got just on that one song. And I emulated that sound by, by picking the strings way close to the bridge, you know, so it gives it that plunky, weird sound. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, we did that, and then when I think I mentioned before that I was, I was in an all-girl band on drums <laughs> called Monistat Seven. That we never actually played a show. It was a uh, uh, Roxanne, the the uh, second bass player from Teen Idols, wanted to start an all-girl band, but they didn't know any girl drummers, so I just played instead. And we used to do Bullet. But yeah, I don't think Teen Idols ever played any Misfits songs that I can think of. I don't, I don't know. But I, I've seen the Methadones do uh, Hybrid Moments, and it's fucking awesome. Hearing here Vapid sing that, it's fucking kick-ass. I don't know if that if they ever recorded. I don't think they ever recorded it. But that used to be in their early set list uh, when they, I think, when they first started tour, and they had that in heavy rotation on their live set. It seems like everyone's done a Misfits cover, you know? Yeah, even Green Day. Green Day did Hybrid Moments. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so, no. I think it's on, I think you can probably find it on YouTube. I don't remember why they did it, but uh, yeah, they recorded Hybrid Moments. Is it on an album or? Yeah, I think it's on a, uh, remember when they were doing those weird things, almost like Kiss had the solo records, Green Day did that. 
Oh uh, yeah, the Uno Dos tray thing. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it might be on one of those. I don't know. I, I never stopped, heard those. I never I heard st- those. I stopped buying Green Day records long before those came out. But yeah, I mean, I I just I just never listened to those. But I know Kurt Baker after he was on the show, he sent me. Uh, maybe it was before. I don't remember, but he sent me um, one of his songs, and he said Green Day stole my song. <laughs> and it, I, I don't remember what song it was or anything, but yeah, it was definitely like one of those, oh yeah, that's pretty similar. And wow. you know, your song came out first, but you know, a lot of this stuff, it, it you know, it sounds only, the same. There's only so many chords. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to step on some, some repetition somewhere. But, but on that same side of that, Billy Joe has his ear to the ground or used to, he might know Kurt Baker's music. Cause, uh, Billy Joe obviously was like a screeching weasel queers yeah, fan yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And when I met Billy Joe at a at a show in San Francisco and he was a Teen Idols fan too. He was like he wanted to put out stuff on uh, Adeline Records if we ever wanted to do something off of Fat Honest Don's world and it never actually came to be, but he at least he still knew what was current in the scene and that would have been probably around the time of hell nimrod or something even after that you know so they were still trying to keep up with what was going on i don't know if they still do or not but it's possible i mean billy joe's my age so if i if i still know what's going on currently it's very possible that he could too yeah when when you get to be at that level and it's just I wonder how easy it is to stay in tune with some of that shit, you know? Yeah, he's probably inundated with all kinds of craziness. I mean, I'd be I'd be able to because I'd have all that money. Right. You could just buy everything, you know what I mean? Money is never an issue. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, hell, he could walk into or send somebody <laughs> to, to Amoeba <laughs> yeah. and just buy everything that looks cool and I'll filter through it when you bring it back, you know? I don't know if he <laughs> I don't know how accessible he is to like walk into just a regular record store. He might get mobbed or something, but I mean, I, you know, living in Nashville, I see weird shit like that sometimes. I saw uh, Dwight Yoakam was standing out. <laughs> he was standing okay. outside of Tower Records with these two. They look like strippers, and he was wearing a. Uh, he was wearing like a satin, <laughs> uh, like a Nike jogging suit that was like kind of a silvery satin, I, and he had like gold chains. He looked like a rapper, but like a balding white dude. Like what the. F- <laughs> I didn't even realize it was Dwight Yoakam until I had already walked past him. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? He looked like he did from Sling Blade. You know, if you ever see Sling Blade, mm-hmm. that's. <laughs> and I was like, what in the hell? But yeah, I mean, he was right there, just hanging out. So, I mean, it's possible. Maybe he goes yeah. in dis- disguise or something. He puts on a fake mustache or something. Yeah. Hey, you also sent me a picture of that club in Nashville that got destroyed. Yeah. yeah. With the cool misfits, um... the, ba- the basement East is what that place was called. Okay. Yeah, they they had a mural, and that thing is it's hard to tell from that picture how big it is, but it's fucking huge, like probably a good twenty by thirty fucking uh, painting. And it was, and so we had really bad tornadoes at the beginning of twenty twenty that they touched down on that venue and destroyed it. Like the the block walls were just dust and the only thing still standing was that mural i have a picture post tornado that the only thing left is that mural that's that weird it was right on the corner and for some reason that corner withstood the tornado and it says nashville is the reason Mm -hmm. and it's the crimson ghost from like the horror business seven inch yeah so how long was that like that that was like that 
that at least a couple of years because I didn't even I didn't I wasn't going to shows, but I was working a job downtown for my job that was right next door to that club and I was driving by and I happened to just look over and I was like, what the fuck? And so I stopped <laughs> and pulled over and had to get out and take pictures of it. And I sent it to everybody, you know, like the misfits guys and shit. I'm like, check this out. And I was like, Oh fuck, maybe they might get pissed and try to sue them. But, you know, but I think they were more honored than anything else. They're like, yeah. yeah that's, that's fucking rad. You know? And so that, that was the name of the promotion company that did a bunch of the punk shows at that venue it was called Nashville is the reason. And nice. that was, and they just had, and there was a guy, they used to change that wall all the time where they would paint new stuff for like new albums that were coming out or new shows that were upcoming. And they, but they never touched that one. They just left it alone right there. And I saw there was a guy painting like a new part and I'm like, Hey, did you paint this? And he goes, hell no, I wish that shit's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. So I don't know who actually painted that, but they did a damn good job on it. It's it's a cool thing because Nashville, to me, I mean, I've never been there, but I think of, you know, more country and western kind of Everybody atmosphere. does. Yeah. So, so I know it's not like that these days, but as much, but... um. You know, if I'm ever to go there, and I'm a I'm a, I'm a punk rocker, and I see that thing twenty it'll feet blow, high, it'll, it'll blow that's where mind. I'm going. You know Absol- what bar to go to? Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, I think you know, uh, Nashville has a reputation of being, you know, like you said, like country redneck town. So a, a lot of the the punk rockers from here have like have that redneck violent streak. You know what I mean? And I know I was one of them for sure. Probably still am. But I think that is part of the appeal of the misfits to a lot of the punks here is they had that uh, element of danger or threatening kind of like, if you listen to any of those live shows, they were ready to fight. You know, a lot of the people in the crowd and shit, I got to have a bootleg where you can hear Jerry say, if you fucking spit on me one more time, you're going to be wearing me like a coat. <laughs> so it's like, he, he's threatening to, to fucking throw down with the audience. You know, they're fucking with him. And that was kind of like uh, uh, appealing to us. We we're like, yeah, those guys don't take any bullshit. They're willing to fucking beat the crowd up. You know, like it's kind of, kind of a cool element of danger. Seems like those days though, like when you had a singer that was, you know, aggressive and, and intimidating, like mm-hmm. like a Glenn or like a like a Henry Rollins, you know. Right. They're, they're just a fucking <laughs> a magnet for dickheads, you know. Oh yeah. So oh, they yeah. had to fucking fight, you know. They had to fucking punch people in the audience. Yeah, and then think about back then, it wasn't mainstream at all, and so you would get the random cowboy hat wearing asshole who was just there to <laughs> drink, and they'd want to fight these weirdos, you know. It was a def- definitely a different time, and you got to think about those guys had devil locks and shit. And, and I've read, uh, articles and things where they're talking about the old CBGB's days. Jerry looked like that all the time. Like it wasn't like he didn't just dress up like that when they were playing a show. Like if he went to a show, that's what he looked like. Like it looks like he just stepped off the stage in the audience. So I could only imagine those guys walking around in regular society back in the late seventies they had to get fucked with constantly, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. And and you told me they make they make all their own shit, right? Their own equipment. Yeah, their own the props. Guitar cabinets, all that stuff. It's all um yeah, did I I don't know if I talked about that on the other episode that I was on, but they uh their dad owns a machine shop or did. I mean, he's probably not still alive anymore, but 
uh, he had a company called Pro Edge that was a rival of Exacto, like the Exacto knives, the little modeling mm-hmm. knives. And so they have a machine shop where they actually used to make the little modeling knives um, right there, and they all worked there. You know, that was like their family business or whatever. So I guess they would make their own guitars and shit at the machine shop. Um, I know that that original bass that Jerry is holding on the cover of Walk Among Us is actually a Rickenbacker bass that he cut to pieces on a jigsaw or you know a bandsaw or something, and he like bolted wings onto it, like bat wings onto it. But it's actually a <laughs> it's a Rick bass that he modified. But yeah, they used to make all that shit themselves, and all their uh, guitar cabinets and stuff. Uh, they made all those right there at the shop. Talk about DIY, you know what I mean? Like, just they're making their own fucking instruments. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a, what a special band, though. You know? Oh yeah. You know all the stupid memes about Danzig and shit with him buying like what cat litter and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, come on, respect a little bit. The motherfucker, he's a pioneer. You know? Dude can't own a cat. Come right. on. I even sent you the one of him wrapping Christmas presents. Did I send that to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just a regular dude. You know? Yeah, but yet he's still fucking not a regular dude, you know? Right, right, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, I never understood that. It's just like, you know, they aren't fucking just regular guys. They just happen to be fucking legends, you know? When when you have an iconic look or whatever that's so different, it's easy to make fun of, you know? And, and haters gonna hate, you know, that kind of shit. It's, it's easy to, to fuck with them. But at the same time, it's like, respect, dude. They're fucking living that every yeah. day you know and i remember seeing even in maximum rock and roll somebody was trying to joke on danzig and they were like yeah the new danzig seven inch devil butt you know it's like what? dude he doesn't have a fucking record called devil butt but <laughs> you know they're just like poking fun at him because he does have a lot of the like devil imagery on a lot of the danzig and sam Hain stuff yeah but he's always is, had it you know yeah always that's yeah, his thing you know at least he always didn't been that element of evil you know and darkness and stuff to their thing and some some people could just turn around and joke on it you know but fuck them (laughs) all right man all right uh great to be on again man anytime you want to have me on i'll be around well i'll be in touch like always for sure man it's always good to talk uh, to you i hope we hear some music from you this year or next year or whenever we can let's hope so I i think everyone does dude I'm just going to have to force myself to sit down and write some songs. <laughs> I'm going to bug you every fucking day. All right. Yeah, keep <laughs> on me. Yeah, you know I'm a procrastinator, so. Yeah, yeah, so. All right, dude. All right, man. It's great to talk to you again, and uh, I can't wait to hear this episode. All right, man. Talk to you later, Phil. Thanks. Bye. Goodbye yeah.
Oh, very. 